Welcome to Daily Daf Differently, a Jcast Network podcast. This daily podcast invites you to join us to study the daily Talmud page with a variety of liberal rabbis and teachers. For more information about Daily Daf Differently, please visit jcastnetwork.org slash ddd. For more information about the other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome once again to Daily Daf Differently. This is Jeremy Kalmanovsky, and in our tractate Shabbat we are on Daf Tet, that is page 9. On the Aleph side, the front side of page 9, we pretty much wind up our discussion of the various Rishuyot, the, the public space, the private space, the Carmelite, the middle space in the Mekom Patur, and the Iskufa, the little porch or threshold in front of a house. And on the Bet side of our Daf, we get to the next Mishnah. The next Mishnah, in a sense, is really the beginning of the tractate because it describes what you should do, or more precisely, what you should not do as a holiday is about to begin, as a new period is about to begin, as a new obligation is about to begin. And it says a person shouldn't begin to get a haircut uh, just before the time that the Mincha prayer, the afternoon prayer, should be prayed nor should one enter the bathhouse, nor should one enter the tannery to do work, or nor, sh- nor should one begin a meal before, uh, just before the, hal- the mincha prayer is supposed to be said. Um, and if one did begin, that, begin those activities, you shouldn't begin those activities, but if you did, you can go ahead and complete them before, uh, before um, saying the appropriate prayer. If the time for reciting the Shema which is a biblical obligation, were to come, and you will find yourself in the middle of the meal, you should stop and recite the Shema, because that's, a, in the, in the halachic system, a higher or more intense obligation, because it's imposed by the Bible. But prayer, which pretty much all of the Jewish authorities, with the significant exception of Maimonides, regard as a rabbinic imposition, uh, rabbinic, rabbinically imposed uh, commandment, if the prayer time comes on, you can delay delay the prayer and finish this this other thing that you are doing. And the reason that I say that this is really the beginning of the tractate is it works chronologically. It describes the period immediately before the beginning of something. So you extrapolate out that as Shabbat is about to begin, you shouldn't begin these other activities which might extend a longer time and therefore interfere with Shabbat. So, as is always the case, the Mishnah, the early rabbinic text, is, is kind of a shorthand, or it's a lot of information packed in a very spare language, and it needs to be expanded, needs to be extrapolated, needs to be, uh, you, need to, you need to figure out what is intended, not just what the words translate as. And so, the Gemara is going to ask us, is going to ask about the Mishnah, what is the period that is meant when it says you shouldn't um, do these activities before Mincha? Mincha is the afternoon prayer. Now, to understand this, you might need to know that the prayer system in Judaism is, uh, is, is set uh, in correspondence to the ancient sacrifices. The Torah says that there should be a daily sacrifice in the morning and one ben ha'arbayim, which literally translates as between the evenings, or it means the afternoon, somewhere between high noon and sunset. So in ancient times in the temple, what they did is they offered that animal um, several hours into the afternoon, but it was legally possible, and on a certain day, on, on a Passover day, when there's a lot of other things to do, they would offer it as early as 30 minutes or, or a half an hour after high noon. So it is technically permissible to pray the afternoon prayer 
any time after 30 minutes past or half an hour past uh, high noon. So the Gemara wants to ask, when the Mishnah says you can't do those things before Mincha, does it mean the ideal time of Mincha, which is later in the afternoon, or does it mean you can't do any of those things even at the at the very early time of what's called Mincha Gidola, the large Mincha time? And this is a case like the substantial majority of Talmudic discussions in which it is not resolved. We uh, we entertain two possibilities, two Hava Aminas, as I said in the in the talk for yesterday. Perhaps what it means is it refers to the Mincha Gidola, the very large Mincha time from from only half an hour past high noon, but what it means is you can't do very, very large activities. You can't, for example, have your hair braided, not a simple haircut, but a very fancy, fancy haircut, and it means you, know, you can't enter a tannery. It means you can't begin to tan a large number of hides. Another person comes along and says, yeah, it means the large mincha period, but there's a reason why you don't want to do those, those things, because uh, because you might start for a, a, a minor haircut, not a big fancy braiding, but a minor haircut, but then the scissors might break. So perhaps that's why you shouldn't, shouldn't do those things um, when, when the mincha prayer impends. Now the Talmud, like any legal text, is interested in making definitions. So we said that one shouldn't do X or Y or Z. Well, what counts as the beginning of that? What counts as the beginning of a meal? One teacher, Rav, says... Uh, when one washes one's hand for the meal, then one is considered to have begun the meal. And as the Mishnah said, if you began and the Mincha time started, you don't need to stop. If you've, if you've washed your hands, says Rab, you're eating, and you don't need to stop. Rabbi Hanina, another teacher, says, it's when you undo your belt. Uh, evidently, the people he was talking about were, wore these elaborate belts. I don't know, maybe they ate so much that they had to, <laughs> they had to undo their belts before eating. So, the Talmud doesn't like, it, it, it savors disagreement, but if it can correlate two positions, it would prefer to correlate them. It would prefer not to say that those two teachers, Rav and Rabbi Hanina, uh, you know, really disagreed with each other. They just applied in different settings. Now, here's a cool thing about the Talmud. You, you can imagine that in ancient times, they didn't have, you know, podcasts, and they didn't, couldn't store things on Google Docs. So, uh, and, and in fact, the, uh, the substantial majority of the transmission was only done by memory in oral texts, but even when they had written texts, they tended to write as little as possible and expect that the traditions of learning would explain as much as possible. So, they say about the difference between Rav and Rabbi Hanina, Rav is a Babylonian teacher, and Rabbi Hanina is a, a, a land of Israel teacher. Um, and the Talmud simply says, Ha-lan v'ha-lahu. This one applies to us. This is the Babylonian Talmud, so us means the Babylonians. And this one applies to them, meaning the Palestinian Jews. Ha-lan, this one for us, v'ha-lahu, that one for them. But which one is which? Which one is which? Which is, which is the ha and which is the ha? Is Rabbi uh, Hanina, who lives in the land of Israel, teaching for the Palestinians, and Rav teaching for the Babylonians. Well, that makes sense. That would be the most logical explanation. And that is the one that you'll find on the side of the page, if you're looking at a traditional Talmud page. You'll find that in a, in a smaller print commentary um, in the side of the page, written by someone named Rabbeinu Hananel, who lives in Kairouan, Tunisia, in the 10th century. And Rabbeinu Hananel serves as something like what Ashkenazi Jews consider Rashi, 
the explanation of the simple meaning of the text for uh, North African Jews, and, and he does explain it in that very simple way. Uh, Rashi explains it in the exact opposite way, that Rabbi Hanina is teaching for his personal students who have moved from uh, the land of Israel to Babylonia, and Rav is teaching for his personal students who have moved from Babylonia to the land of Israel. So when Rav says uh, washing the hands at the beginning of the meal, he means it's, it's the beginning of the meal in Palestine. And when Rabbi Hanina says that undoing the belt is the beginning of the meal, he means not where I live in Palestine, but in Babylonia. That's how you should do it. Now, that is so completely counterintuitive. It's like, you know, reaching around your left hand around the back of your head to scratch your right ear. Uh, but there is a reason why Rashi says that. He's not just being, he's not just being obtuse. Uh, the text goes on to describe that the Babylonian practice is, uh, is to have these elaborate belts. So it would make sense that Rabbi Hanina, who's talking about, who's talking about the undoing of the belt as the beginning of the meal, is speaking to the belt wearers, who are the guys who live in Babylonia. And by process of elimination, we have to assume that Rob is speaking about the, uh, the hand washers who live in the land of Israel. What's fun about that is not the specific rule so much, uh, you know, about whether it's, it's the hand or the, or the belt undoing. What's fun about that is the awareness that the transmission of Talmud is an incredibly complicated process. And what's fun for a, a modern, uh, one of the things that's fun for a modern student is to sometimes look at the different manuscripts, which don't always line up, and look at the different Rishonim. The Rishonim means the first ones, but we, meet, we use it to mean the medieval Talmud commentators who can vary, uh, who, who can, uh, vary very widely, who can differ very widely on their understanding of the text, precisely because the text itself is so, uh, so sparse and doesn't explain itself so much. That's what makes study so rich, and, and the possibility for disagreement about a single text is one of the things that makes study so much fun. There are so many Talmud manuscripts whose, uh, whose facsimiles you can see even online, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. Thanks for studying page 9 with me, and I look forward to studying page 10 with you tomorrow. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode of Daily Daf Differently, and that you'll join us again tomorrow for a new page. The music at the opening and close of this episode is Ufros from the Epichorus album One Bead available on Bandcamp, iTunes, and Spotify.